Hi, my name is Amani, and you're listening to Raise Your Words. On this podcast, I will be talking to authors, influencers, and friends about books, movies, and shows, and get their input on what they think about it. I will also be talking a lot about pop culture references, as well as interviewing authors like Priyanka Taslim, who is the author of The Love Match, interviewing Anika Sharma, who I have already interviewed in season one. And in season two, I have a lot of very exciting guests that I am thrilled to bring on the show, on the podcast that you're listening to right now. Stay tuned for more. Hi, Maya, and welcome to Raise Your Words. Can you please introduce yourself? For my listeners who might not know who you are. Hi, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm Maya Ibrahim, the debut author of Spice Road, which is an epic fantasy set in an Arabian-inspired land where magic can be grown and brewed in tea. So it follows 17-year-old Amani, who is fighting to find her missing brother after she discovers that he might be alive and sharing her people's secret spice magic beyond their borders. So Spice Road comes out on January 24th, 2023 from Delacorte Press and Hot Escape. I live in Sydney, Australia, where I was born. And when I'm not writing or reading or hanging out with my family, I am probably playing video games, gardening or collecting trading cards. I would love to know, what is your writing routine like when you're on a deadline? So this is a great question. I can answer it pretty accurately because I'm I'm on deadline right now. So I always work from an outline, which tends to kind of vary in shape from being like really detailed to being kind of vague in some parts. But the point of it is just to ensure that I'm not kind of working without knowing where I'm going. So that means that I can kind of wake up early Monday to Friday, occasionally weekends, depending on how pressed for time I am. And then I basically just sit down, I turn on my music and I just write. So my routine is usually nine to five or nine to six p.m., with some breaks and I, you know, answering emails kind of sprinkled in, but then I always try to get up at like, yeah, five or 6 PM so I can spend time with my family. But yeah, it's not the most, I guess, riveting answer. Basically I just sit down and write, but that's, I guess, the life of an author on deadline. Fair enough. (laughs) (laughs) Who is the hardest and easiest character? Um, So I think the easiest character to write in Spice Road is probably Kane. Not because his backstory or anything is particularly straightforward. It's actually the opposite. But more that his personality, I guess, was easy to write. You know, he's really charming and kind of cunning and witty and he really takes control of every scene that he's in. So it's really easy to just let him steer the writing. I would say the hardest character, I want to say it's Taha because he's really complex and I've seen him described as troubled. (laughs) But I would say Imani wins. I think because as a main character in an epic fantasy, there's kind of certain expectations of who she is. You know, she has to be the hero, and heroes tend to be really likable and overall just kind of great people. But to me at least, I've kind of always felt that sometimes heroes don't feel like real people. You know, real people are a little bit messy and they can be unlikable without being bad. And I really wanted to reflect that kind of duality in Amani's character. You know, she's brave and she's loyal to her family and she always strives to do the right thing. But she's also really stubborn and bullheaded 
and she can be kind of rigid and narrow-minded. So it was it was a real balancing act between like ensuring that she's someone that you can root for, but then, you know, and you can envision them becoming that typical hero over the course of the story, but then also someone who has that room to grow because obviously Spice Road is part of a trilogy. So, you know, she can't start off being amazing, like completely. (laughs) And I know that she probably won't be to everyone's taste, but I think that's okay. I think, I think that's very human. So yeah, I would say probably Amani was the hardest to write. Yeah, I feel like main characters can be really hard to like have a good character development and make sure that there's a balance between all of their amazing qualities as well as all of their flaws. But one of the things I really liked in Spice Road is how you developed Amani's character and how like you see her kind of throughout the course of the book struggling with various, you know, task that she is kind of thrusted upon and so that is one of the things I really liked about it yeah it's I mean I'm thank you I'm I'm glad to hear that it was like a you know I think a big part of the story is you know about seeing through her eyes like how she confronts you know the fact that her reality is not everyone's reality and I think in order for that that point or that theme to kind of really land and to really have impact with the reader she does need to start off as being someone that you know, you and I can look at and be like, oh, like, why can't she see this thing? It's so obvious. But, you know, I think that's why it's, I feel like it's super rewarding at the end when she kind of, you know, opens her worldview a bit more and kind of grows as a person. So, yeah. Nice. Yeah. No, that's one of the things that really draws most readers to fantasy books is the world building. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I actually wanted to know is what is the first book that that you read that made you cry or made you emotional? This was a hard question. I I tried to think back as far as possible. And I think the book, the the first book that made me cry, I think would be Bridge to Terabithia. I don't know if you've read that. It's by Catherine Patterson. It's a children's novel. I don't know if I can spoil it, but it's been out for 40 years. So I'm just going to go ahead and spoil it. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) So basically it tells, just briefly, it tells the story of, you know, these two kids who they're very much opposites. They come from very different circumstances, but they strike up this friendship, which kind of brings them together and it helps them grow. And together they create this imaginary fantasy kingdom called Terabithia in the woods, which they can only reach by swinging across a dry creek bed using like this old rope that kind of hangs from a tree and in the end you know obviously a bunch of stuff happens you know the whole middle part of the book but in the end there's a storm and it fills the creek bed and one of the characters actually drowns when they swing over because the rope snaps and the other character has a really hard time kind of grappling with the grief and what it means to die and what might happen to you after you die so yeah, it was a really sad and moving story. And honestly, it kind of shocked me because I was like a kid when I read it. It's a children's book, but yeah, that one has dark always... for a kid's book. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's it's a really beautiful story as well. But yeah, I mean, sometimes I think, sometimes I think the things that kind of shock us, you know, they leave a lasting impact. And it's always interesting as well when you kind of get older and then you look back at things that you you know, shocked you when you were younger and you can kind of view it through this different perspective. So yeah, I think that would be the first book. <laughs> and do you have any scenes that got cut that you liked that you can discuss from Spice Road? I have a lot of scenes. So Spice Road went through 
a lot of drafts, a lot of revisions, and a lot of rewrites. So this question is kind of hard for me to answer because, you know, there were whole like set pieces and sequences and like side plots that, you know, even characters that were kind of written out or merged, you know, I can think of like two characters that were actually merged to become like a a different character. So, you know, I guess that kind of ties into like how many drafts did Spice Road go through, which the answer is many. It really evolved over like a long and thought out process to become the book that it is today. And I guess I was sort of, sort of aided by the, unfortunately, by the pandemic, which put a lot of publishing stuff on hold, but that kind of gave me the time and space to really refine the book to what I think is now a really concentrated story. But yeah, I mean, one thing that uh, I guess the biggest thing that was taken out is that Spice Road used to be dual POV. And now obviously it's only from Amani's perspective. So that may or may not change in the future, in future books, but we'll see. But I'd say that's probably one thing that I really like doing that we ended up cutting just because it just simplified the story and it just made it easier to tell a really, I think, a more kind of powerful, concentrated version of the book. How long did it take you to rewrite in a single POV? It's a hard question because I, I just want to say years because the whole process is like a blur now to me. <laughs> but it sort of happened in stages where it was kind of like, you know, my agent and my editor, we just sort of we were just sort of like, hey, how about we just take out this POV? Because the second POV was for a character that is essentially, I would kind of say like Kane and Taha as one person. And his story was just so, it became like so separate to Amani's story that we really had a lot of trouble, like just bringing, just kind of keeping everything tightly woven together. And so over a couple of revisions, he just started to have like less and less chapters and Imani just started to have more chapters and her chapters were a lot more cohesive and there was just this general flow. So then we were just like, I mean, I just sort of just said to my agent, I was like, Hey, how about we just kind of just get rid of like his POV. <laughs> and then when we did like it, it, you know, I really felt like the process moved a lot faster and things kind of sped up from there, but I couldn't tell you the exact time, like, you know, months or yeah, it was just, it's a blur. Let's just leave it at that. <laughs> That's kind of how revisions usually are, right? Especially yeah. when you have so much and you have to focus first on the big picture and then on like all the minor details that happen mm. also in the book. So I feel like that can be a little tedious. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just think, yeah, when you get to the end, you're just like, this is it. It's finished. Let's just not, let's not look over there anymore. <laughs> and then. One of the other things I was kind of curious about is if you were to write a spinoff based on one of your side characters, who would you pick and why? So there's a lot of main characters that I would love to do spinoffs for, namely Kane, just because he he has a lot of story. I'm not going to spoil anymore, but but I think for side characters, I'd say I'm probably caught between Arthur, so Imani's older brother, one reviewer you know, said that they would find it interesting to read a prequel of his experiences, which I think would be pretty cool. You know, it'd be just kind of interesting to see what it was like for him, you know, to first encounter that there's this world across the sands and 
and to kind of get pulled into the events that are happening there and you know just the decision making that he went through to kind of be like okay I'm going to leave behind everything that I have grown up with and everything I believe in and I'm going to dedicate myself to this new cause so I think that'd be really interesting to kind of see that through his perspective because we're told a lot about it through the book and it's such a big it really is like the inciting incident it's the catalyst for everything but the other side character I would say is probably Taha's father just because he is you know he in the book now he is the most powerful man in the Sahir but he wasn't always you know his family his clan is pretty humble they're from humble circumstances and he's a pretty complicated person he kind of grew up in these difficult circumstances that he overcame somehow to reach this kind of you know position that he's in now so and everything that he does and everything he is influences Taha enormously so I think it could be really interesting to have, you know, maybe a story about like his life growing up and the things that he went through to get where he is. So, yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I feel like Taha's dad is definitely one of the more intriguing characters in your book. So is Taha, actually. And honestly, all the names in the stories were like names that I recognized. So I really <laughs> loved that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was really, it's just so nice to be able to write like you know to write using characters names that like from like my background and to write about a world that's like familiar to me and you know with things that I'm like oh I know this thing from when I grew up and yeah it's just really nice I think representation is so important in fiction it's so validating and not just for the reader but yeah for me as the author it was a really good thing. Were there any moments when you felt like kind of overwhelmed while writing? How would you, in what way do you mean overwhelmed? As in, if your character was dealing with a lot of trauma, did that affect you in any way? There are things in the book that are, you know, a big theme. A big thing that's kind of talked about is colonialism and imperialism, which is something that's had a huge impact on the Middle East and North Africa. And so that was kind kind of close to heart and sort of written, you know, there's a bit of catharsis, I guess, involved in writing about that because I think, you know, it's something that is not really talked about and you never really see things from a Middle Eastern or Middle Eastern coded perspective to do with those sort of issues. So that was kind of, yeah, I guess I would say it's a little bit, it's a little bit sort of emotionally difficult because you have to kind of delve into these things that, you know, they're not very pleasant. But at the same time, there's a power there that you get to bring that to light and, you know, in such a major way, like publishing with a big publisher and, you know, knowing that lots of people or hopefully lots of people will get to read it and and kind of see these things that you just don't, you know, you don't, you feel like don't get a lot of spotlight. That was a very terrible answer. I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, that was good. That was good. Um, one of the other things I was really curious about is what is the most surprising thing you've discovered while writing your book? Um, about I yourself would, or about your characters? I don't know about myself per se. I, I think I would just say how much research is involved when writing an epic fantasy. I mean, you know, like you know that when you start when you start writing, it's kind of like, yeah, I know there's a lot of research. But then when you're actually writing and then it's like small things where you're like, how far can a, ho- a horse travel in a day on this kind of terrain? And then you've got to kind of like research and do all these like 
terrible calculations that are probably incorrect, um, you know, or like when I was sort of crafting the world, kind of just doing research about what makes sense, like geographically, you know, putting one environment, one type of environment next to another. Yeah, just, just I, I was kind of surprised with the amount of small details that needed to be really thought about. And that only kind of just multiplies with the sequel, which I'm working on now. Because you have the world and then you have all these moving parts and now you've got to make them move in a way that's nice and, you know, and that works. So I know that's, that probably sounds really naive because obviously it's like, obviously it's a fantasy and, you know, you've got to research things. But yeah, just when you're in the nitty gritty, you're like, oh my gosh, like I have to look at this thing and this thing. And yeah. <laughs> no, I totally get that. One of the things that I wanted to know is what is kind of the craziest thing you've done in the name of research for your book? Craziest thing? Um, I don't know. I'm not sure what would be the craziest thing. I, I've not done something like, you know, traveled on horseback to, <laughs> you know, cross the desert landscape to see what it's like. But, oh, that's a good question. Um, I do try to draw on kind of personal experiences, I guess. And especially with, you know, maybe not to the extent of horse riding, although I've gone horse riding, so I can, you know, somewhat kind of like, draw on that physical experience but you know if you're kind of walking through sand dunes like what is that like it's I think it's a lot different when you kind of imagine what something is like or when you see it in like a movie as opposed to actually doing it there's just like these kind of small details that really make something seem so real because you can only know that by actually doing it so yeah but in terms of what's craziest I don't know I, I would actually have to really think about that <laughs> Okay. Which character did you resonate the most with and why? I think there's a little bit of like my personality in most of the characters. I'd probably say I resonate most with Imani and Taha. Imani's determined and I like to think that I'm also determined, but I have been told by my parents that I'm extremely stubborn. Thanks, mom and dad. And, you know, Taha is very driven by logic and reasoning. And again, I think that's like something that you know, I think it's a personal quality for me. So I'd probably say those two are the ones that I resonate with the most. Nice. Yeah, I could totally see that. I feel like a lot <laughs> of the times authors tend to put a bit of themselves in, like, the characters. Uh, yeah. Not for everyone, but, you know, typically they say that art imitates life, so. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, you know, I mean... Yeah, I think it's like most convincing when you can write from experience to some degree. So that is true. One of the other things I wanted to know is if you were to meet your characters, Amani and Athir, in real life, who do you think you'd get along with and who would be your rival? And this could be either the main characters or side characters. I think I would get along with Amira, Amani's younger sister. She's just really easygoing and kind of generally like an open friendly person I think I get along most with Kane but then again who wouldn't um I think he's just like a people person or like a people genie I guess you would describe him but he's like sociable and he's got a lot of really interesting ideas and ways of seeing things and I think that when he's getting his way he's very fun to be around I think I would get along with Taha because like I said there's like parts of my personality in his but 
then I think we would probably like immediately just like butt heads because he would insist that his way of doing something is right. And the funny thing is I think Amani's the same, like, you know, I would respect her drive to achieve and that she takes her duties really seriously and she's really loyal to the people that she cares about. But there would definitely be times when I would just want to shake her and just be like, please, like, why can't you just see outside of your, like, your box? So, yeah, and I think that's the funny thing with Amani and Taha. Like, they're actually really similar people, but they're just from, like, opposite, like, societal circumstances. And so they can't see their similarities because of their biases. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally get that. Do you have any upcoming bookish-related projects that you can tease? So I did say that I am working on the sequel at the moment. So that's been fun and hard, but fun. It's different from the first because there's no like setup. You know, I can just sort of dive straight into the action and like the adventure and the romance. So that's been really cool because like I can just, you know, get straight to all the stuff that I really loved, really, really loved in fantasy. I am also working on an adult fantasy that is the total opposite of Spice Road in every imaginable way. <laughs> I can't say too much about it, but I would sort of describe it as like Peaky Blinders, but in like a fantasy world with like Ooh. dark magic and like it's a bit of a bit of a mystery. Yeah. I love the sound I, of that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm really excited about it. I, I hope that I can eventually share it one day soon. What are you currently or recently reading, watching, and listening to? And this could be like a podcast, music, or an audiobook. I am currently reading The Daughters of Izdahar by Hadir El Spy. I probably didn't say her surname correctly, so I'm sorry, Hadir, if you hear this. But it's a it's a really excellent political feminist fantasy, and it's kind of set in this Egyptian-inspired setting. So I'm really enjoying it. That comes out, I believe, in January as well. I'm actually going to quickly check that. Yeah, so that comes out on the 10th of January. And yeah, I just think that's it's been really, really excellent. I'm not actually watching anything at the moment because I'm, I've just been kind of playing video games in my downtime, like once I stop writing. Yeah, so... What video games have you been obsessed with lately? I play a lot of Sea of Thieves, which is basically just like... You play as a pirate and you can sail around and you can like find treasure or you can like steal treasure from other pirates, like actual players, like people. So it's really fun actually. It's And it's really useful because when I write stuff that has to do with like being on a ship or whatever, I mean, obviously it's a video game, but like it kind of helps inform my experience a little bit. But yeah, it's really fun. And like you can do like these kind of epic ship battles and or you can just kind of be silly and run around islands looking for shiny things to sell. And I have been playing a bit of Overwatch 2, and I would say like the most recent sort of like standalone game that I finished was Elden Ring, which is like really, it's just really beautiful. Like the world building was amazing. It was simultaneously infuriating to play and really fun. And it actually just won Game of the Year award. So yeah. In terms of like what I'm listening to, I recently discovered a a band. Well, I'm listening to their album. It's called Age of Aquarius. It's by this Greek rock band called Villages of Yenena. I hope I said that correctly. It's a really gorgeous album and their music kind of like fuses like regional folk music and like traditional instruments with rock. So yeah, if anyone is into that 
random <laughs> mishmash of things, then I would highly recommend their album, which is, yeah, Age of Aquarius. I'll check it out. Yeah. <laughs> would you rather have your book adapted into a TV show or a movie? I think I would say TV show. Obviously not just because, like, it's way longer than a movie so I can, you know, enjoy seeing my story for, like, longer than two hours. But I think the format, like, I think just TV shows tend to give more space for a story to breathe and it allows you to kind of sit with the characters and their arc, you know, their arcs a bit better than movies. I think, you know, like, one book that kind of comes, well, one series of books that comes to mind which was made into a movie. I don't know if you saw The Dark Tower, but it's based on the Stephen King books and they made that into a a movie. And I just felt like it was like way too, yeah, it just, you you know, you couldn't tell the whole story in a two hour film or 90 minutes or whatever it was. So I think TV show, but that said, I would just be happy. Like either way, if it was a TV show or movie, I would definitely, I'd definitely be pleased either way. If you got a pick, do you have like any requirement that you kind of hope a director would take into consideration? I would definitely love obviously, you know, Spice Road is Middle Eastern, Arab inspired. So I would hope that the actors would be of, you know, a relevant background. That would probably be the biggest thing for me you know, just making sure that kind of the representation is there and it's not just sort of, because that's such a big part, a big part of it. So that would be something that I would be like, I would have to insist upon. (laughs) I love that. Yeah, especially because nowadays and even prior, there were like times when you'd see a show and you're like, oh, this is supposed to be this character, but it's played by somebody else of a completely different ethnicity and so yeah yeah that can be very disappointing to see yeah yeah I think it's yeah it's very disheartening as well for the people like you know for people who that's their background and they're kind of coming to see this to see themselves in a way on screen and then to not have that I think is a real yeah it's just really disappointing so I would hope that that would not happen <laughs> do you have any advice for fantasy authors or writers who when it comes to like world building or building the tension between characters? So in terms of world building, I love world building. I'm going to try to not talk too much about it. So I think, you know, when people talk about like poor world building in fantasy or world building that isn't kind of compelling, I think they really, you know, the way I interpret that is they mean that the world kind of comes off as 2D. It's almost like a caricature of a world or it's like a movie set you know, it has the cosmetics of a real world, but it doesn't quite persuade you. And when you think about movie sets, they can be incredibly detailed, but they're static. So there's no sense that they're impacted by what's going on around them, not physically or geographically or socially or politically. It's just this, you know, stationary, it's like a a still frame. So when I write about places or settings, you know, I create these kind of worlds, I always think about the small details you know, so for example, like a simple example, what's the weather in a particular, let's let's say I have a fantasy city, what's the weather there? You know, weather shapes like so much about a place, you know, like if it rains a lot, then you might presume that buildings, you know, there might be problems with flooding. And so buildings might be raised off the ground on stilts or 
They might be fabricated in certain materials to withstand damp or moist conditions. The streets might be shaped in a certain way to help with water runoff. You know, like you can you can kind of pull a lot of rich detail from that one simple question. And then you can start to paint this vivid image of a really cohesive city that feels real because it could be real. You know, it makes sense in the way that it's been designed. And I think I think that would be kind of like the crux of my advice is that when you're creating a setting, think about why things are the way they are. Don't just include them because they, they're cool, they look nice. Although like those are valid reasons. And, you know, obviously when I kind of come up with a, you know, there's a setting in the sequel that I'm working on that I was just like, I want to do this thing because it looks really cool. But then I did kind of ensure that I worked backwards and I was like, okay, if the setting is like this because it looks cool, I have to make sure that everything within it is still cohesive and still logical and still works. So, you know, if you want to build a city in a particular material because it looks cool, just bear in mind that, you know, if you're kind of basing on a slight sense of realism, then that material needs to come from somewhere, either the surrounding area, so that would impact what the environment is like, or it needs to be kind of transported in and, you know, that would that costs money. How is that working? So in conclusion, yeah, just really have a think about kind of like follow the trail, take one detail and then kind of follow like where that leads you and what kind of questions that raises and just try your best to answer them, I think. I like that. Especially I never really think much about describing what the weather looks like in the book. (laughs) A lot of the times that's something I tend to gloss over, but that's probably because I tend to write more contemporary. So it's usually more about the characters' connections and feelings and dialogue than the world around them. But that is something that I feel like does add more depth to the story because then the reader isn't like, oh, wait, so are they, like, where in the world are they and what's going Mm. on? Yeah, there's no sense of, like, sometimes when I read some things, you know, you're kind of like, the characters are sort of like, it's almost as if they're, on a stage but then the backdrop is just like just dark and you're kind of like where are they like are they you can't envision like are they standing in a sunny place is it rainy like what's you know what I mean like are they wearing like warm clothes because it's cold or they're sort of like talking heads they they just (laughs) they just sort of exist in this vacuum so but I agree with you that's more like you know with contemporary you can kind of you have the world already built because it's our world but I think it's really, really important in fantasy to kind of establish those like, you know, basic sort of like, what's the weather like? What What's the temperature? What does the place smell like? What are the sounds? And just answering those kind of simple questions can really go a long way to painting a really vivid picture, I think. Yeah, no, that's honestly really good advice, especially for anyone who kind of struggles with descriptions or just, you know, making sure the reader feels like they're there. Mm-hmm. And weather can help with that, at least in terms of like allowing the reader to visualize where they are. Mm -hmm. One of the next things we're going to do is the Raise Your Words rapid fire. So basically how this works is I will ask a question and then you can say the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. Are these kind of like short, sort of like I just say one word or can I explain or? Up to you. Okay. <laughs> I usually let 
you know, the author decide if they want to okay. <laughs> go in details or if they just want to give, you know, yeah. the answer. <laughs> Are you a plotter, a pantser, or a planter, which is both? I would say I'm a planter. Such a hard word to say. Planter. So I think I'm a little bit of both. So before I start writing, I kind of try to craft a pitch to see if I have like a compelling hook and just a plot that kind of works really broadly. And then I expand from there into an outline. It's usually not very detailed. There'll be a few sections where there'll be like a line, like put a battle scene here, make it look really cool. (laughs) And I just won't sort of explain to myself what that means or choreograph it in any way. But usually by then I'm just like so excited about the story that I, I just have to start writing straight away and kind of getting a feel for the world and the characters. And inevitably I do wind up running into some sort of plot trouble So then I go back to the outline and then I adjust it. And I kind of do that process a couple of times until all the details are filled in. And I just have this really clear vision of like what happens from, yeah, like start to finish. It's a bit of a messy process and, but I guess it works for me. And once I get to that point at the end, it just feels like the characters are the ones who take me by the hand and they're just telling me the story. So yeah, I would say I'm a bit of both. Love that. I heard you're a fan of Pokemon. Do you have any favorite starter Pokemons? Or if you're not sure about like the starter Pokemons, if you have like a favorite type when you start out. I love Sableye. I think that's how you say it. It's the little kind of like impish looking. It's a ghost. I think it's a dark and ghost Pokemon. And it's got those little diamonds for eyes. That would be, I think that's my favorite one. When I was playing, I play Pokemon Go. And that's the Pokemon that I have, even though it doesn't, it doesn't evolve into anything, but I just, I just think it's really cute. Like the way it walks around, like this little sort of imp. So I think that's probably my favorite starter Pokemon. Well, it's not a starter because it doesn't evolve, but you know what I'm saying. (laughs) And then one of the other things I wanted to know is what video games, although you kind of answered this, but what video games have you, well, since you already answered the one about what video games you've been into recently what are some video games that you are looking forward to i really want to play i've actually started playing it a little bit god of war ragnarok which is the sequel yeah it's so far it's really good i've actually watched a couple of streams of people playing it and it's just really gorgeous and i just think it kind of like strikes that really nice balance between storytelling and actually getting to play the game So I'd probably say that's the one that I'm like immediately looking forward to. Generally, long term, I really just want the next like Elder Scrolls game because it's been like way too long since Skyrim came out. So I'm just going to be patiently waiting in the corner for however many years it takes until that comes out. And have you played games like RuneScape and stuff back in the day? I didn't play RuneScape. I, I played a little bit of World of Warcraft and... I was kind of into like Diablo and stuff like that. But I feel like RuneScape, I sort of missed the, I don't know. I I just, I wasn't sort of like, because I didn't have a computer, like a PC when that was like the big thing. I used to play on console. I play on PC now, but yeah. So I I sort of missed the the boat with that, that sort of, I guess those sort of games, unfortunately. But yeah, so I was just sort of playing on console and, and kind of playing I guess like Call of Duty when that was out and like Halo in, instead of like RuneScape so I, I'm sad about that that I missed it but I, I'm trying to like make up for that now 
One of the other things I wanted to know is, do you prefer paperbacks, ebooks, or audiobooks? I think they all have their merits. I love the feel of like a physical book, but you know, ebooks are great because like I tend to read on my phone actually, which is probably not great for my eyes, but I already wear glasses, so <laughs> it doesn't really matter. So yeah, I like ebooks because they're just really like portable and stuff like that. And audiobooks are great for when I'm just like doing other stuff, but I need to, especially like in terms of like for work, like if I'm, if I need to kind of listen to something like, you know, a workbook or whatever, audiobooks are really easy. But I guess if I had to pick one, I would probably prefer like a physical book. I just, I love the smell of like books and just the feel of it. So yeah. Nice. And do you listen to music while you write? And if yes, who are the top three artists that you listen to the most? I do listen to music while I write. It's actually a really big like part of my process. And I, I kind of like curate like playlists for like every book that I work on because it like really helps me get into the headspace of the world and the characters just like really quickly because I can just sit down and just put this playlist on and immediately just be back there. But I'm going to be annoying and say that, honestly, for Spice Road, I, I don't have one particular artist that I listen to. And the playlist is just, like, all over the place. It's just random songs from random albums for more different genres. I do tend to write to, like, epic-sounding music, if that helps. And I do love all the stuff that's kind of put out in collaboration with, like, League of Legends and Valorant. But I am hoping to create a special playlist for Spice Road and hopefully share that soon. So. That might help clarify. That might be a good answer um, Keep for this an question. Eye out for those. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have like a specific song that reminds you of Amani or her brother? I would say there's a song called Warriors by I think it might be Imagine Dragons. I'm just gonna look that up really quickly. Yeah, so there's a song called Warriors by Imagine Dragons, and I think that that probably reminds me. That was like one of the first songs that like I, I listened to when I started like drafting this book. So that reminds me of them. Nice. And one of the other things I wanted to know is for Spice Road, if you had to go back and write from a different perspective and it be entirely in their perspective, who would you pick? Probably Taha. Naman is like the protagonist. She's you know, we see the book from her perspective, but Taha really is, for me, at least personally, like almost like an equal main character with her. And I'm just, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but, you know, we get to learn a lot more about him in the second book. So, yeah, I would say I think, because, you know, like I said, originally Spice Road was a dual POV. So it felt really kind of natural to write from that other perspective and that was sort of taken away. So I think if I was going to go back and, and write another version of Spice Road, I'd probably probably do it from Tara's perspective. Although I don't know if that'll be really different because they're, they're together a lot of the time. So, <laughs> But it would be cool to kind of see like things from his perspective and why he does things especially. I think if you've read the book while you're listening to this podcast, then you'll you want to know why he does things. Do you feel like Taha will be the main focus of the next book, like completely, or will it be like a dual POV? I can't say anything yet. Obviously, Amani will always be 
she'll always be the main character. I'm just going to say that like we we do get to see a lot more of Taha and we get to learn a lot more about like him personally and you know his life and like what drives him and and yeah like why he does the things that he does. I can't say thank you so much for coming on the pod Maya. It was a lot of fun talking to you about world building as well as Spice Road and I can't wait for all the listeners to finally get a chance to read Spice Road and then come back and Perhaps there will be Easter eggs that you missed the first time around. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This was really, really fun. Anytime. And listeners can find you on Instagram at M-A-I-Y-A underscore Ibrahim. So that's I-B-R-A-H-I-M, my underscore Ibrahim. Don't forget to grab your copy of Spice Road by Maya wherever you buy books. If you like today's episode, don't forget to rate Raise Your Words whenever you're tuning in from. You can find Raise Your Words on Instagram at Raise Your Words Pod. Stay tuned for more. Thank you for tuning in to today's Raise Your Words podcast episode. If you like this episode or this kind of content, make sure to stay updated on the Raise Your Words Instagram page. So that's at Raise Your Words Pod, at Raise Your Words Pod. Stay tuned for more.